Hi, hello, it's Vin. Thank you so much for listening to the Vin and Ali show. We've created something that we're really excited about and we want to share it with you. It's called Recalibrate. It's a 12-step process that helps you create more clarity and more alignment in your life. It's the exact approach that both Ali and I have been using to live happier lives and to achieve all of our wildest dreams in the last seven years. It's been crazy. Being one of our loyal listeners, we wanted to share a special something with you. Visit recalibrate.online forward slash Vin and Ali to access the course for 70% off. I hope you will check it out. Anyway, let's dive into this episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the Vin and Ali show. This one's a special episode. It's a special episode because we are A, in person, and I don't know if people can feel it when we're in person or not, yeah, no. but we are in person, <laughs> and we are in my studio that we're halfway through building. So that's pretty exciting. Looks amazing. Looks amazing. So far, this is halfway. This is halfway. For those who can see the video, this is halfway. Now, the book we're reviewing today is Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And I started off this, this kind of conversation with you offline straight away saying, when I first read this book, I just kind of went, wow, this is so profound and deep. And then maybe about four or five years after, I kind of went, wow, this is really basic. I can't believe I thought it was so deep. And then now in my journey, I'm like, damn, it's so deep again. <laughs> so it's just been interesting, my relationship with this book, because again, it was just started the journey. Wow. To waste. Wow. This is so basic now to it's so deep. How has your journey with this book been? Well, kind of similar. When I reread it at the beginning, I'm like, this stuff's so simple. Mm. And everyone knows this, surely. But then I thought back to when I first read the book in 2017, I'm like, it was actually a groundbreaking book because so many of these concepts hadn't actually been put together in this way before. Mm. So it's nearly like rereading it. What Simon Sinek's done has become just such a part of like business and leadership that it's nearly been like, yeah, everyone knows that. But he was, pro he was the main driver behind that change, I think. Well, it's crazy because he was one of the first people that inspired me to become a speaker. Yep. Because when I saw him speak, his, his TED talk, the one that kind of made him the start with why TED talk, where he drew the three circles that inspired me so much because he was one of the few speakers at the time that was really engaging, really thought provoking. And he had great showmanship as well. So I, I, yeah, he's one of the, one of the, I could say top five that inspired me to become a speaker. Yeah, it's, it's a great book. And the thing of, about this book, it resonates across a lot of different industries. I know a lot of teachers and mm. educators that use this book, entrepreneurs use this book, high-performance sports teams use this book. That's a pretty good sign of something that's going to last over a five, 10-year period. Well, it means it's fairly universal. universal. It means starting with why is very universal. So let's, let's dive into it. Let's I mean, the whole concept of the book, I guess, what Simon Sinek talks about is most people don't start with the why. They don't. Most people will start with what they do. Then they'll talk about how they do it and rarely do any of them get into the why. Did you find that to be the case as well with your journey? Yeah, for sure. Look, I was looking back at some of my notes and yeah. when I started my business, Future Golf, it was actually called Gen Y Golf for the first four years. Yeah, I remember that. And I read this book in 2017 and it had such a big impact when I actually look back at the notes is this is the book that made us rebrand or at least had played a pretty pivotal role in the rebrand in yeah. Future Golf because all of a sudden my mind went to, oh yeah, like we're not just a golf club for younger people. We've actually got a deeper why and reason of what we do. And 
clarifying that and figuring it out is really, really difficult. I remember you saying, you said that you called it Gen Y golf and one of your mates called you and said, so does that mean only people in Gen Y can join? And we didn't even know if we were Gen Y or not. (laughs) So we were sitting there at some points where some of us would be like 35, we were 30, there was like a 40 year old and it's like, oh, well, am I Gen Y? And how do you actually explain what Gen Y is? Is there a specific year that you have to be born to be Gen Y? And it, yeah, it started causing some issues. It's yeah. like, can my dad come and play? <laughs> can my kid come along? And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's open to all. And then that's that organically led into the Future Golf rebrand. So what is the why behind what you do then? Oh, this is the great question, isn't it? When I, I think when I look back now, for that part of the journey, it was around – creating something that changed the game, Mm. right? Like uh, golf is something that's always been really traditional. It's been very archaic. It wasn't really open to people like me and my age group or my sort of background. And it was about opening that up to other people. So I love that in industries is going into them. And even when I worked in higher education was how do you take something that is traditional Mm. and then open it up to new markets, open it up to new people so that they can also access it. So I think accessibility is something that's always been really big for me. Mm. Flexibility choice, you know, value. And then how do you then incorporate that into something that you really love, Mm. which is golf. And that really formed the DNA of our business, which was doing stuff that you love with people you love, serving people that also love this thing and want to engage with it a little bit more Mm. and then integrating it into there. And that's what shifted us from just being something that was a golf club that operated in one area for a very small group of people and then actually expanding the game and having ambitions to then expand the game, not only just where we are, but globally so that more and more people can enjoy something that, yeah, we really care about. And I think that sounds way more inspiring yeah. than we just help people play golf. Yeah, it's a cheap golf membership. So yeah, that's it, more. right? Absolutely. And then I think it's really powerful what you're doing with Future Golf because I used to, I find golf really intimidating, not yeah. because of how hard the sport is. Of course, that's one part of it, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem like, well, it seems like you have to have A, first of all, a really nice car, B, a really nice set of golf clubs. You have to be super rich. You have to wear those, you know, those, uh, the slacks with, with those golf polos. And it just feels, it doesn't feel like the average person can play it. For sure. It feels like you have to be super rich and have a trust fund. It's like, that's the requirements to play golf. Absolutely. And that was one of the big inspirations behind it. It's like, well, there's, there's this beautiful game where you hit- a ball with a stick, yeah. but it's hidden by these big gates yeah. and this exclusive club and you can't really get into it. Mm. So that was a hypothesis. How mm. do you actually open up something that fundamentally is quite universal? Yeah, it's yeah. one of the only sports that nearly anyone can do, whether you're four years old or 95. There's not many mm. sports that anyone can actually play, but there's all this like, not rubbish, but complications and barriers that have been put in over time that stop Mm. people from being able to access it. And now we're seeing that change a little bit. So do you think that why, because you are so clear on it with Future Golf, it then inspired people to even join Future Golf? Yeah, for for sure. I think, and it exists everywhere. I think it inspired our partners to work with us. Mm. It inspired the team members that joined. Like every single team member that's part of Future Golf Mm. is linked to Future Golf somehow. So we've never really hired in a traditional way mm. where there's a job ad and heaps of people apply or whatever. Like every single employee over the last eight years has come through either as a member, 
as a friend of a friend, as a contact. So there's always been a link in that, that they're connected to the vision mm. or the brand in some way, or they've experienced it in some way or form. And most of them have come into the team by finding a problem that they were experiencing as a customer or as a member. And then they're like, Hey, I'm going to come in. And I'm going to help you solve that problem. Wow. I'm like awesome. Like what a great way to, show your value and then come into the ecosystem. Yeah. And I've heard you share so many that. stories of that where yeah. people are so inspired by what you're doing. They come in not only as a member and a, a customer, but then they come into the business and they help. Well, it just keeps improving it, right? When you have people aligned with that and that's the core driver of why they're getting involved, even from a leadership and a management perspective, you just get so much more trust that the intention's always right. Like there's always this foundation that, all right, you understand what we're doing and why we're doing it then your actions and the how and the what, for the most part, like, yeah, it needs guidance, it needs management, it needs structure. But for the most part, that's then, it nearly looks after itself in a way. Well, it's crazy because it means it inspires you, but it also inspires others. So there's an internal and external component of inspiration that is, that is, that, that exists because you know your why and you're living out your why in your business. The book talks about this and it talks about there's two forms of leadership. Mm. One where you can manipulate mm-hmm. and then there's one where you can inspire. Right? And I'll throw it back over to you now is I've seen you in the way like inspiration such a big part of everything that you do. Mm. What's that mean to you as a leader? I think I think about it first of all as a teacher because I teach communication skills and I think having a strong why with what I do with communication I'm only just learning how to communicate that well, right? And I, I do think inspiration is super critical because a teacher is not just someone who stands there and talks at you because then that's a PDF. <laughs> just give me the PDF then. I think the teacher's role is you have the opportunity to dispense knowledge, wisdom. And with that, if you deliver inspiration as well, that's what makes the student want to learn the knowledge and wisdom, Whereas if you don't if if you don't have the inspiration, then knowledge and wisdom by itself is the person doesn't want it. I think you, you've got a inspiration is what makes people thirsty for the knowledge and, and and wisdom. Whereas without the inspiration, you can give the horse water, but it's not going to drink, right? So to me, inspiration makes them thirsty. Like in, inspiration makes your customers thirsty to want what you do, and not only to want what you do, but want to help. So I think it's, it's critical in the realm of teaching and I've always understood its importance. And I think time and time again, in every chapter of my life, Ali, I'm always learning how to go back to what is your why, you know? And, and I think the, the, the closer I get to my why, the more motivated I feel, the more inspired I feel myself, the more driven I feel. Whereas I think when I, when I lose track of it, that's when I get, lost. Mm. I procrastinate. I waste time. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about a lot like our values and our vision and the mission. And I think these are things that are all really encapsulated in a simple way in the why framework mm. where when you know why you're doing something, it then does help improve the quality of your decision-making, the way that you allocate resources, mm. how, what the how and the what looks like, the people you then surround yourself with. Like having that as a core foundation becomes a really good energy source too. Well, let's, let's define it for a sec, right? <clears throat> the what is the features of the product or the features of your services, what you're doing. The how is the unique selling proposition, what makes you unique. And then the why is the purpose and belief. And what we're saying is that from the why, 
Do you think, do you think everyone needs to start with the why? I mean, the book is start with why, but do you think everyone does start with why? I didn't. I don't think so. I think a lot of people start with the how and the what. Yeah. And then if you're lucky enough, you figure out that the why becomes important, then you integrate the why. And then it amplifies. At some point, yeah. Right, because I don't think most people start with the why. I think, I would say, statistically, this is all incorrect, but I would say 90% (laughs) of people would start with the what and the how. Well, even if you think about Apple, Apple gets used as the example Mm. most common about being a company that's so just entrenched Mm. with its why. Mm Mm-hmm. When Steve Jobs and Wozniak were in the garage in the late 70s, I don't think they were thinking about their why and they whiteboarded yeah, all yeah, that yeah, out yeah, that yeah. we're going to change. Thinking about the money. Personal <laughs> they were like, how do we just build a cool product? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. then we'll figure it out. And then how can we just go and sell a little bit of that product to a few people? Yeah. And then after that, it started taking shape. Mm. So I feel like you can only even truly understand the why once you've had some evidence of the how and the what too. Like, I don't think we could have figured out Future Golf's why in 2014 in that level of depth and just mapped it out top down like that. Well, hang on. Here's a here's Okay. That's interesting, right? Because if you think about it, if you don't have the how and the what, what the hell is the why for? <laughs> I feel like the how, and the, the how and the what is the business. So you've got to build the business first. And only once you have a business, do you then have time to then think about the, the why? Yeah. If I- if if you didn't build Future Golf and you're just sitting there trying to start with the why, that's pretty complex. I feel like the why comes as a result after you've done years of the what and the how. Then once you've done that and you've validated it, only then do you have the luxury and time to think of the why. I I get it. Start with the why sounds really good. But I just wonder, it's like the hierarchy of needs. You can't can't start with the top. You've got to make sure you've got food and shelter. You've got to make, you know, like you just can't get straight to the top. So again, it's just, it's an interesting thought because I, I, I don't think I'm in, like I now am starting to think about the why in my life a lot more, but I don't think I could do that if I didn't have the how and the what fully sorted out. I'm feeling that there's a couple of phases to the why maybe. So maybe when we start, yeah, the why is actually the dream. Hmm. Right? Because most projects, I feel, have an element of some sort of vision or a dream before we embark on them. Yeah. It's a business or releasing a new product. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's a component of the why. It's like, all right, well, why am I going to embark on the how and the what? And then how do I then come back after I've done some of the how and the what and then take it through the same cycle of, all right, what's the why now after Mm -hmm. we've actually gone down the journey for a little bit with the initial why? Does that make sense? Kind of. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm currently going through an operating system update as we're talking about this. So this is like, my brain is growing on the fly right now, which is pretty weird. So Because after I said what I just said, then after I heard what you just said, I feel really dumb saying what I just said. Right? No, no. But I don't feel dumb though, because I think, I think look, okay. If you think about- I feel step- dumb in this podcast yeah, most yeah, of the yeah. time, so don't- Yeah. I, I think that when you first start out, let's say when you're in your early 20s, hundred percent. I reckon 90% of people start with the how and the what. Okay. And then if you're fortunate enough and you do have enough operating system upgrades with your brain, then you go, Oh, I need to improve the why. Then when you improve the why that then enhances the how and the what. And then as you keep evolving, you move from the why to now improving the how and the what, and then you get stuck in the how and the what again. 
And if you're lucky again, you, you start to go, oh, no, I need to get more connected with my why again. Then when you get connected with your why again later on in life, it then further enhances the how and the what again. The trap I think that most people get into is they start in the how and the what, and maybe you never get to the why. And then that never elevates your, your how and your what. So I think what's critical here is understanding that it's an oscillation. You have to continually bounce between the two. I don't think you could ever just stay in the why. Again, this is if you're a solo entrepreneur. I think it's the bouncing back and forth mm-hmm. that, that that's the beauty here. Yeah, for sure. Mm. It's, it's checking in and the practical application that I feel is why is strategy sessions. Mm. It's sitting down and it's taking the balcony view and allocating time and resource mm-hmm. to sitting there, whether it's by yourself or with your team or with your friends and family and actually being like, all right, we've done all this stuff. We've done all this how, how and what for the last 12 months, for the last six months. Mm. Now let's just take a moment just to relax for a second, take a breath and then try to make sense of it all. Mm. And then how do we then align that now with what our why is, the reasons that we're doing these things what we hope it makes us feel or what we think the outcomes are going to be. Mm. And then that can replenish that why call it or mm. strategy. And the why changes. It does change. The why changes. Like you said, your first why was Gen Y golf. Yep. Right. And then you started moving on and it started to become future golf. Right. And here's where my brain is starting to fall into some areas of complexity. Do we have a personal life? Why? And then a professional life? Why? I love trying to integrate it all yeah. into one. I think you could definitely compartmentalize them into mm-hmm. separate areas of your life. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, what's my health why? What's my family mm. why? What's my work why? Right. But I love seeing if there's a way to integrate it. Mm-hmm. So to me, when I picture why, it's like it encompasses the whole gamut. And ideally, everything in my life can then sort of align with that why to a degree. And then maybe you have like mini whys. I feel like we're saying the word why. So a lot. Much. Yeah. If there's a counter on this podcast, <laughs> yeah. that would be the best. Why, 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 why? Yeah. Just add a few more. <laughs> like if somebody just tunes in like 15 yeah. minutes in, they're going to be like, Dude. why do they just keep saying how, why, what? This thing makes no sense. When I was talking about the how, the what, and the why, and then you keep bouncing between the how, I was so confused while I was saying it. And I just thought to myself, am I saying this right? Dude. So remember when we did the Power of Now episode and I feel like we just said now, just now, 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 over and over Oh, again. gosh. That was a really confusing – hey, shout out to that episode. That was a great episode. If you haven't checked it out, yeah, check out our, our podcast we did with uh, Eckhart Tolle's book, The Power of Now. It was actually a great app. Now, why, how, what? Gosh. Well, I mean – a series here. I, I think this is a pretty powerful question though. So let's say someone doesn't know what their why is. They're doing their work. And I think a lot of people may fall into this category. I think you and I are fairly blessed in that we, well, as for myself, I'm, 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 I'm getting clearer on what my why is in this chapter of life. And I just want to frame this by saying, I think in each chapter of our lives, we have a different why and it's okay. Why's can change. It doesn't have to stay the same. And if you're lucky enough to have one why, and it's so big that it becomes your why for your entire life, then, then great. I'm, I'm, you know, that's, that's good for you. I think for many of us though, that why changes in different chapters of life. Let's say someone is in a chapter of their life right now and they don't know what their why is. How do you find it? Mm. Great 
question. Yeah. This is, this is the question. But I want to jam on that. I want us to think about this, right? Whether it's based on Simon Simic's yeah. methods or our own, how do we find our why? I think it's about collecting data and looking for clues that exist in your life mm. and then making sense of that in some type of narrative just to start with. Yep. And I've actually learned a lot of this from you is you use storytelling and you paint pictures. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, I'm at this point in my life right now. Mm-hmm. What, what's all the things that encompass this? You know, like what are the things that I'm interested in? Yeah. Who are the people I surround myself with? Mm-hmm. What's my work life look like? What are the things that I'm good at? that I've developed over the last five or 10 years? Mm. What are things that I'm learning about? What are some of the problems that I want to solve? And then you just collect all of, we call it collecting dots. Yeah. When we do our process, we get all of the, these clues that exist. What, is, what are the things that light me up, my memorable moments, mm. right? What are the things that I'm passionate about or that I'm curious about? Mm. And then you, you start getting an idea of, oh, okay, this, there's a thread here, mm. right? There's something that starts making sense. And then from there, I think it's only from reflecting on sort of the past and the current and mm. even the, like where you are in the future at the moment, what you're planning to do that can then help shape a very simple version one of what your why might be if you don't have one. To yeah. This point. I think, I think a lot of people don't, I think uh, this is the metaphor. I think dots is a good one, but I think of there's a better one, which is puzzle pieces. Your why you can see it clearly once you put all the pieces of the puzzle together. I think we don't often spend enough time sitting with the puzzle pieces. The puzzle pieces being what you mentioned, your down moments, things that make you sad, things that make you happy, things you're passionate about, what your values are. We don't sit with those puzzle pieces and go, how do they connect? And as you sit and you collect these puzzle pieces and you start to put your puzzle together, you get a rough idea of what your why is. You get a rough idea. And even then, I think it's about having the courage to go, I think this is my why. And I'm just going to live it out for six months to a year and to see how it feels. Whereas I think where I fall into the trap is analysis paralysis, where I think to myself, oh, I've got to get it. Like this has to exactly be my why. And if this is not my why, then I'm not even going to do it. I don't think that's how it works. I think as you're putting the puzzle together, you're always going to be missing pieces because- the future isn't here yet. So you're going to be missing all the future pieces, but you've got a rough idea and you've got to be brave enough to go, I'm just going to write down a statement and I think that's my why. And I'm just going to go with it. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And the reason why I like the dots analogy, because I think the puzzle, mm. the puzzle pieces nearly insinuate that there's a way to complete the puzzle. Whereas I feel this puzzle is something that never really completes the dots move around and the strength of the connection between the dots will vary as you go through because life keeps changing. You keep changing as a person and as an individual. So yeah, it's an unsolvable puzzle realistically because it's always shifting and moving around a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think you, you, you never complete the puzzle. The puzzle will always have missing pieces. Most of them are there though. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you sit with it long enough, you will see a pattern and you will see a picture. For sure. I think you will see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Mm. yeah. So that means that it's about sitting with the puzzle pieces. I don't think people spend time doing this. No. Life is too busy, Ali. Yeah. Kids, work, bills to pay. There's too many competing activities that stop us from sitting to be able to work out what our why is 
and sit to piece together all the puzzle pieces. And I think the only re- the only way to better motivate someone to find their why is to help them understand how much of an amplifier that is. And I got, I got to say something here too, and don't let me forget this, but I love what you said before. You can paint your own why. You get to choose it. You get to paint it. So you can look at all of these puzzle pieces and you also get to see what you want to see. It's like when people look at clouds and they go, oh, I think I see this, I see that. And you go, no, that's not there. But you get to choose what you see as well. I'll give you an example. Like, so for, for me, it's a personal example for me. I could choose to say that I teach communication skills because I'm, I used to be invisible and people didn't see me and they didn't recognize me. And as a result, I felt unseen, unheard, unloved. I could choose to teach communication skills and make it my why because my son is autistic. And I choose to deepen my knowledge in this realm to be there to better help my son, right? So I could paint this picture in any way that I want. And it's which way is the most empowering? Which way is the most motivational? Which way is the most inspiring? For me, it's to tie this why in with my son, you know? Like that then drives me way more or I could make my why I do this because it pays great. That's really inspiring. Not really. I love it. No, well, I don't think that one's inspiring at all. Right. That's Joking. Yeah. I know you are, but it's, but, but I think often yeah. if you don't spend time sitting with the puzzle pieces, then the easiest why to pick is it pays me pays the bills. 100 grand a year. Pays the bills. Pays the pays bills, the, yeah, yeah. financial comfort. Yeah. And I think- I get the weekend, yeah. get my holidays. Get my, it's, got, it's, got, it's great. It's got annual leave. I got like three weeks of annual leave. Fantastic. Right. I also get a work car. Fantastic. That's great. And I think when you- That means you're only playing with the fuel source that is average. Whereas when you can tap into the why- it changes the way you play. It changes the way you work. It changes the way you live. And, and, and so, so it's a tough to thought. You get to choose what that is. Why not pick one that moves you? Why not pick one that excites you? Why not pick one that inspires you? And if it doesn't work, guess what you can do? You can change it. And, and, and it helps you paint the story in your head it just changes the way you live, man, because of the way you now see the world, the way you see what you're doing, the way you see the actions that you're taking. Yeah. yeah. And there's a concept in the book, which is called the celery test. Mm. You remember that part where somebody can come to you and give you advice, mm-hmm. right? And the analogy essentially goes that when you go into the grocery store, mm-hmm. somebody might be like, hey, you got to get M&Ms, mm. right? And then another person will be like, you got to get Oreos, mm-hmm. right? Somebody will be like, you got to get rice milk. Another person will be like, oh, you've got to get celery, right? Now you can get all four of these items and they've all got value. They all, you know, some individuals really love them, but they might not be the thing that you actually believe in or that forms up who you are. So when you're getting that advice, like realistically, if your why or your beliefs are, hey, I actually want to be somebody that's really healthy. Mm. I want to be somebody that, you know, is eating clean and is a vegetarian or whatever it is. It's like out of those four items, the one that really stands out is, oh, I'm just buying the celery. I don't need to buy the other three items because mm. they're not really aligned with who I am and who I want to become. Mm. Right? And then using that even in a business framework. So when you're talking about the reasons, you can then choose in alignment with what you believe is the strongest right now. Mm. Right. So it might've started at the beginning that, hey, 
I got into this career because I just need to make some money to get me out of this situation so yeah. I can get some financial stability. That's fine. Yeah. And then it's evolved into- That's how it all starts. I, I want to teach somebody something amazing because mm. I was invisible. And then now you've got your son and you've got different levels of richness in your life and it's mm. evolved a little bit. Now you've got your son's story that then drives it. Mm. And I think the core here is it's about you. It's subjective yeah. to you in terms of what's going to make you turn up Mm. with the best level of energy, creativity, artistry to then deliver your vocation or whatever it is that you're then trying to share with others. And the clearer that we can get on that story, it's a little bit like with habit changing too. Yeah. I remember hearing this great story where they're like, look, you can sit there and be like, I need to quit smoking, right? But if you don't have a reason behind it and you don't have enough of a story of why that's important, there's a very, very good chance the next time you're offered a cigarette, you're probably just going to take it and smoke again. Mm. But if you have a list of reasons like, oh, shit, my son came up to me and caught me smoking and was so disappointed when they saw me and I just never want to see that look on their face again yeah. because it broke my heart. And you write it down like that, you've got one bit. Oh, I keep coughing at night and then when I speak on the podcast, I don't want to sound like I've got a croaky voice because it's actually going to hurt my career and it won't – let me enhance my vision. There's another reason. Mm. Right? Or I'm a singer and to continue singing on stage and to do these things, I need to change this habit. Like if you can get five, 10 of these reasons mm. to then form up and give you evidence of why it is you're doing what you're doing, whether it's the simplest action or a habit that you want to change or a business you want to start or a job you want to perform better in, just having that as a framework to keep going back to and to building upon, surely that doesn't hurt you. So that means that there's a layer here. What you're saying is once you know what your why is, if you start collecting stories that back up that why, oh man, shit, that is a very powerful move right there that Simon Singh didn't talk about, right? Because sure, you've got a why, but as you go through life, as you become more sensitive to collecting pieces of evidence that back up that you are living out that why, or even pieces of evidence and stories that encourage you to continue to live out that why, because these are the negative stories that will occur if I don't, dude, that's powerful. Wow. And that's the, that's the thread behind every great brand. Mm. So when Apple gets used as the golden child for branding and storytelling or being aligned with its why it's just because they've got 40 years of consistent evidence and stories that pretty much align with what they started with right it's about even if they don't really do it all the time the image there is always oh, it's going to be innovative mm. it's for the rebels it's for the thinkers the creators right? and 90 percent of people believe that right they believe it their founder believed it mm. the people that use the products believe it it becomes a status symbol it's the same with probably Harley Davidson, right? There's brands out there now that have just done it over a consistent period of time. Nike, mm. where you just, without even having to really describe it, you kind of know what it stands for. The stories are always pretty consistent. Mm. And then the products and the way that they then deliver that, it's usually pretty consistent. It's a pretty cool way to run a business because when you run a business like that, it means you're attracting people that also believe in what you believe. Yeah. And when you attract people that also believe in what you believe, you build a great community. I think the greatest example that I can think of is, you know, when we're traveling and we're overseas and let's say you're in America. This happened to me all the time when I was in America. When I was in America and I'm in the airport, you know, I started, you know, everywhere, Americans obviously everywhere. And then every, every now and then you hear a, hey mate, uh, yeah, just checking for the flight number 142. And you're like, 
Is that an Australian accent? Is that Craig? Oh yeah, no, it wasn't Craig. <laughs> and then and then you and then you immediately go, "Hey, are you from Australia?" And they're like, "Yeah, I'm from Australia. Where are you from?" I'm like, "I'm from Adelaide." They're like, "I'm from Melbourne." Yeah. Best friends. Yeah. That person could be an absolute serial killer. Yeah. But in that moment, I trust the hell out of them, and whatever they tell me to yeah. do, I'm doing it. Right. It's purely because of the accent. Yeah. Purely yeah, because yeah, of yeah. the accent. And and why though? Because when I hear another Australian accent, I immediately assume that that person was raised in the same way I was raised, probably has a similar why to me because we grew up in the same country. We believe in freedom. You know, we believe in all these similar things. And because of that, there's immediate trust, there's immediate friendship, there's an immediate bond. So when you learn how to get your why and you learn how to radiate that really well, that means you're attracting people like that experience I just created. So when people see another person using Apple, hey, you, you use Apple as well, right? All of a sudden it creates an immediate bond. And I think that's the bond that's missing for a lot of people in their professional lives. Because I don't think many companies communicate this really well. So they're attracting these kind of people. But imagine sitting down with a customer that loves your product and you sit down, you immediately bond like two Australians in America bonding. Far out, there's so much, there's so much richness in that interaction. I think it's a real gift and privilege. Like if you can combine your work with call it your tribe and the culture that you want to be a part of and the people that you want to surround yourself with. Mm. That's a gift. Like if you can get that 40 yes. hours a week or 35 hours, it's pretty hard to scale though. It's just a bonus, mm. you know? And I think if you've been lucky enough to have it where you've worked in an incredible team or you've worked for an incredible business, yeah. or just been part of something special or a sports team that has that, mm. you could feel that magic in it where oh, we're all sort of aligned here. Like everyone's different, but there's a thread here that's common. And people always, and I think even as we get older, we reflect on those moments. Like, oh, I remember when I worked in that spot where just everything was connected. I think that's what builds culture, mm. right? It's the connection to the why and the belief and the strategy and what it is that we're doing. And when that alignment is there, just, I think it feels better. Well, here's a, here's a pragmatic strategy from Simon Sinek where he says, all right, once you've collected your dots, that's the part we've added to this process is collect your dots, sit with your puzzle pieces. And as you start to form a picture, just write down a simple sentence. And the sentence is, my why is to blank, so that blank. My why is to blank, so that blank. And the first blank is you filling in how you want to help people. That's the how. And the second blank is the impact you want to have. Right? So my version of that is, my why is to teach people how to use their instrument so we can create a more loving, a more kind, and a more compassionate world. Mm -hmm. So that's like a really, it was a really easy formula for me because as I sat with that, I went, oh, cool. I like this. I like this because as I grow in this world of communication and teaching at Ali, what I've learned is that that's what I'm really hoping to do in the world. I'm really hoping to teach people how to use their voice so that instead of using it to attack others and using it to create conflict, we can use it to make a more loving, kind and compassionate world. And that simple little formula from Simon really helped me because yep. don't overcomplicate it. I think often people tend to think that my why statement needs to be this grand profound thing that I have to hire 40 consultants for <laughs> and workshop for three days with. No, you don't. Just follow that simple formula. But I, I really advise those who are listening to this before you do it though, just sit with your puzzle pieces, collect your dots because it's not useful if you don't do that. Yep. And just watching your journey over the last six, seven years, however long it's been, just credit to you. I think you've really 
all your actions, your hows and your what's, and even just watching you behind the scenes and how you deal with the people around you and your personal life and your family members, you have nearly the greatest level of alignment to what your why is that I've probably come across. And I think it's infused nearly in everything that you do, right? Like even just things like watching you in the business world when you have to make decisions that have moral ambiguity, right? If it's a deal or something like that, you Mm. generally always – like I've never seen you not make a decision that isn't aligned with your why that skews more to say the commercial outcome. Like you never ever – take a deal or something that doesn't really align. because I don't tell you about them. <laughs> <laughs> they're the secret ones. Yeah, they're, the, they're the ones I do by myself. The and, really uh, profitable ones. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. no, I don't, I don't tell you about the high ROI ones. Yeah, yeah, I, just, yeah. I just bring you on in the average yeah. deals, mate. But, I'm like, hey, Lully, look at me, virtue signal. Yeah. Look at me, I'm turning away a $4 deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mate, then you're like, hey, Craig, let's go do that real deal. Yeah. yeah that's when I bring yeah, in shifty yeah, Craig. Yeah. Shifty yeah that's Craig when I bring in the real men. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. No, way to really take that compliment. Yeah. yeah. No, I but the, that. yeah, that's, 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 that's a tall poppy syndrome. Yeah. yeah that's no, the mean not being able to. Yeah. Just have to cut But I think Thank you, bro. Yeah. For like anyone watching out there, like if they follow you and they see what you're doing, I think it's pretty congruent that the things that you're talking about, the way that you deliver that, how you go about it, it's all relatively consistent. Mm. I don't think there's much there where it's like, oh, well, why is he now doing that? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I start doing a cigarette ad <laughs> mid-podcast. <laughs> paid well. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's Man, if they paid you that much, would you say Because you've never smoked just a cigarette just coughing before. my lungs out and be like, great product. <laughs> yeah. I, love, uh, I love cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> I love, and I, I don't smoke it. I just eat them because I don't know that that's what you do. I'm like, they're so yummy. You put sauce yummy. on it. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah, chips. Yeah, yeah. Like a, it goes great make, with your pasta. Oh, like you just yeah. sprinkle it in. It's, Have yeah, a bit with your steak. <laughs> Cut them in half, put it in. I sprinkle it. I'm not that stupid. Yeah, just innovated cigarettes. Yeah, I just I just start eating them. Just flavor. Yeah, okay, why not? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and I think it's also just finding more examples of that. Yeah, you know? same as I think we're now seeing it, especially in the influencer space. Mm. The ones that have a long lasting following that survives and thrives over a period of time seems yeah. to have. They seem to have a very strong combination of the why and how they do it. Like you know. The Rock comes to mind. Kevin Hart comes to mind. Like, there's all these people. Yeah. Like Brene Brown comes yeah, to mind. Like, like, it's just really consistent. Mm. And I think a lot of it is using the principles and frameworks. That are well, they, they have a strong why, and I think it guides you. It I think when you have a strong why that's well thought out mm-hmm. and that's – well, it's, it's, the, it's that line. Who, who said that line? Was it um, – yeah, here it is. It's, it's by Nietzsche, right, where he says, he who has a why to live can bear almost anyhow. I think that's really powerful because what, what that means is, I guess while we're starting with this point and trying to encourage everyone so much to just get, get a basic why up because then it helps you deal with adversity. It helps you navigate those weird deals that sometimes, because the number of people now that reach out to me with brands that are so dodgy, bro, they're like, hey, we sell this teeth whitening thing. <laughs> What's future going? Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's questionable. But it's, it's, again, teeth whitening stuff, right? All these different weird vitamins that I've never heard of that are not kind of tested and protein shakes. And I'm like, well, I don't think that really aligns with who I am and what I do. I've turned away every single one. I was watching this side note. I was watching this YouTube video the other day. Yeah. And it's this guy that was trying to find the scammiest ads he could find. Yeah. And then he would buy the product. 
<laughs> and then he did a test off them all. So he bought like 30 of them. Were any of them good? And then, yeah, like, like four or five of them. He's We're like, good. this is the ad. And it looks so scary. He's like, it was actually pretty good. Bro. Wow. Like it does what it said it was going to do. And then 95% of them were rubbish. Trash, like, yeah. break in two seconds and all that. But I just love that concept. But I can tell you now is that having a why, bro, has helped me navigated my social media kind of presence and growth. Because the number of brands that have reached out that want to do things with me and they pay money. Yeah but it's just not aligned with me, you know? And I think, I think if I didn't have that why, bro, if, if I look at myself as my, let's say 10 years ago, my, my 26 year old self, I would have taken every single one of those deals. I would have promoted freaking women hygiene products. I would have been, it would have been the weirdest thing because I would have said yes to all of it. Tampons. Yeah, men. just yeah. for men, for men, for men. But I probably would have done it because I think, the why also helps become, it helps me navigate the decisions that I now have to make. It's, dude, like for example, there was a YouTuber, I don't know if you heard about this in the news, but there was a YouTuber that flew a plane, jumped out of it and just let the plane crash into the forest. Could have killed someone because how would you know where the plane would have gone? Did that for views. And now he's facing 20 years in prison, right? So it's, and I think these, these things happen when we don't, have a strong why that is well thought out, that is connected to the things that matter to us in our lives. We, we start to jump out of planes and allow them to crash. We, we, we make silly decisions when I think we don't have a well thought out why. Love that. I think it's also around using it as a filtering tool. Mm. I remember looking back early days when we were in business, a couple of times you'd get that opportunity that would come across the table. Yeah. And it was like, oh, this actually looks pretty good. Yeah. You know, the, this aligns, it's going to be great. But then in the back of your mind, you're like, there's something about this person where I'm not really sure whether, you know, when you get that gut feel, yeah. like, is this going to work out or not? Mm. And I remember at the beginning, like very early on in my career, to be like, oh, well, it all stacks up. Like the logical part of this makes so much sense. Yeah, you talk Let, yourself into it. Let's just do it, right? We'll give it a go. <laughs> like, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. You know, and then you go through that process. Oh, no. And then inevitably it's like, you know, that little question mark I have on the person? <laughs> it's like, that's now starting to show itself, you know? And it's like, there was a short-term gain. But then there was a real long-term pain mm. where it's like, oh, now we got to undo this thing. Like, yeah, that question mark was a real yeah, question yeah. mark that's now turned into a bit of a problem. How do we backtrack on it? And there was only like two or three times where it's like, okay, well, am I just being closed-minded here because of my own value system and how I'm judging this situation? That's when you didn't have a why though. No, this, I had the why, oh, but okay, it was okay. more around just the uncertainty around how much do you trust the why right. and how much do I trust – my internal sort of filtering system and the mm. belief system because it was nearly questioning it. It's like, all right, well, three people are saying that this is a good move, but I've got this gut feel that's saying, oh, maybe we should question it because it might not really fit in. But I feel like we should just give it a go anyway. Mm. And a few times we gave it a go and we all probably had similar question marks, mm -hmm. but the whole thing stacked up. It was like, oh yeah, this, this makes sense. It's worth right, giving right. it a go. And then you'd go down it. And then every single time when we had those real serious question marks around say, call it alignment or cultural fit yeah. or personality fit or whatever it was, yeah. it always ended up pear-shaped at some point. Like it just wasn't sustainable over the long term. And then you start realizing, so, oh, okay, if you start actually putting it through the Y filter more, 
and you're just a little bit more clear with it. It's like, okay, well, if it doesn't tick these three, four boxes, it's just always a categorical no or a not mm. now. That was a game changer because mm. after that it was always, well, all right, we're going to do this deal. We're going to have this arrangement. We're going to employ this person. But it ticks the fundamental boxes off the why. Mm. So now if it doesn't play out, that's cool. It won't play out for those reasons. You know, it'll play out just because whatever. You know, there'll be, there'll be other points. But that was such a game changer for me. And it just made life so much easier in terms of making decisions. Because if it doesn't tick the why boxes, it doesn't align with the vision or the strategy or the passion, it's just so easy just to say no to stuff. And I think that really becomes a skill set after a while. For sure, when we're talking about clarity, most people, we speak to so many people, they're like, I feel lost, I feel unclear. A lot of that, I think, is just based on having clarity of the why. Like everything does feel overwhelming when you've got to make 50 different decisions, but you have no filtering tool of how to do that. That's brilliant. And I think as you, you get older, you get exposed to more opportunities. And if you don't have a good filter to take the thousands of bloody opportunities that come your way and be able to filter them all and just see five, that's where people fall. I mean, that's the paradox, the choice paradox, right? When we did the podcast on that book, I think the choice paradox gets everyone. When there's too much choice, people can't make a choice. Well, then you get analysis paralysis. Yeah, your analysis paralysis, right? right. You're not making a move because you're like, it's just easier not to do anything right now because I, I, don't have a, I don't have a framework to make a decision. That's right. And right now in my life, brother, I can tell you right now that the number of opportunities is just crazy. And, and you need frameworks and mechanisms to be able to go, no, 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 no. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, you spend time and you go, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. do, do like, which one should I take? And th- I, I find that the, the common problem that we all fall into is we say yes to too many damn things. And you just feel overwhelmed because you said yes to everything and you shouldn't have said yes to nine out of the 10 things you've said yes to. And the why helps you filter that so you say yes to one important thing and no to nine. See, the book didn't really mention that as well, but I think that's a very important component of knowing your why. It's a a framework for decision-making. Yeah, it's focus. Focus, yeah. One of the best business books on that is Jim Collins' book. It's like good to great. Mm, We should add that to the podcast list. That's a great book. That talks about the flywheel. Right, so if you link start mm. with why with that framework, mm. then it also helps you amplify the moves even more. And you get more like, opportunities in the bucket that you want to say yes to. And it just keeps sort of, it amplifies yeah. it. You start, you start getting compound interest on your moves. Mm-hmm. And I've seen you do that really well, especially over the last year or two, mm. where so many of your moves, are, they fit concisely within your strategy framework. Mm. Right, So then you know really clearly where you need to then amplify those moves mm-hmm. based on the things that you're focusing on that are really linked to your why at the moment. Mm. And that's where the starting point is rather than it being a reactive, hey, this great opportunity has come across. I just said yes to it and then we'll figure it out on the fly. And I think that's what we're always battling with. Mm. Like I'm doing a strategy process at the moment and you've got hundreds of great ideas. So many awesome opportunities. And they can all work, but the hardest thing is finding what are the top four or five here that we're going to focus on and and just managing those so that you can take them to completion or – give them the attention and time that they actually deserve. Thinking about life before having a why and life after having a why, it's very different. It's very different. One feels more meaningful. Mm. One felt more scattered. And I think you can't not go through the scattered. 
that's necessary. Sure. That, that's when the puzzle pieces are everywhere and you're freaking out. That's early 20s. You're freaking out. You're like, oh, who am I? And, and, and you know what? To be honest, it happened again for me when I was in my early 30s too. And I think it happens again in your early 40s. I think, it hap- I think someone comes along, a little piece of shit toddler comes along <laughs> when you've got all your things worked out. All right, that's parenthood I'm talking about. Right? I, love, I love my piece of shit. I love him so much, right? But the thing is, they come along and they just just flip your world upside down. And you're like, who am I? What am I yeah. doing? I've lost my identity. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. My so it's, changed. Yeah, my life's changed, you know? And, and I think it's, it's just so interesting how whether it's a little child coming along and flipping your puzzle upside down, whether it's someone getting sick in the family and then your puzzle being just thrown all over the place. Um, it, it just, there's so many things that throw you out of whack. So I think it's, it's always important at key chapters of life to sit down with the puzzle pieces. And, and again, simple little strategy. Yep. Try to work it out. Use Simon Sinek's little formula. Yeah. I think that's a very powerful, powerful thing to do. Even the analogy of life being chapters or mini movies or video game levels. I really like that, bro. Right? Because that's what, to me, life's always felt like is mm. when you are in your early 20s, it's a different video game. Different chapter. Different chapter. It's a different movie that you're writing. Yeah. Right? The, it, the beauty in that movie is the level of uncertainty and actually finding yourself and well, it, it's- making mistakes and there not being that high level of risk if you get it wrong and then you learn again and you get curious. Like Then as I think we hit our 30s, the chapter that we're in now, you just start getting maybe a stronger understanding of what you're into, what you like, what you're focusing on, what mm. you're – mission is in life if you have one right like it changes oh. and then you see people like in their 70s and 80s and you talk about this shit like they'll listen to our podcast and they're probably like you guys are morons yeah morons why do you even care about this by the time you're our age you just want to wake up and not be sore yeah you know and just reminisce on like the nice memories that you had with your grandchildren mm. and it's all about simplicity and they're, they're so calm like they just sit there and they're like they've just seen it all and they know it all and here's the floor though Someone in chapter 18 cannot – someone in chapter 18 doesn't remember what it's like to be in chapter three. That's right. All right? And then here's what I'm seeing. Because of the world that we're living in now, young people are getting access to thought leaders from all over the world and the best kind of thought leaders, right? So what someone in their 20s – let's say they're in chapter three. They're listening to someone in chapter 18 – it is very difficult to learn a chapter 18 lesson in chapter three. I think a lot of young people are creating their own misery because they're trying to live out a a chapter 18 lesson while in chapter three. I see a lot of this, bro, because as I run my communication skills classes, I, I meet a lot of young, extremely smart and brilliant humans but I see them creating their own hell because never before in history has a 21 year old being able to access the wisdom from the Stoics on a daily basis and then think that they have to become that at 21. I think when you're 21, you should enjoy chapter three and live chapter three. Yeah. I think there's a danger in, in, in the, the level of knowledge and wisdom that is available right now. Because it's, and then, and they're also people in chapter 18 have to have more empathy because you were also in chapter three three at one point in your life, but we judge people with such harsh judgments going. And that's why honestly, bro, 
I look. I used to look at the ads of the guys who are like, "Hey guys, I'm here in my garage with my Lamborghini, right?" And I used to look at people like that. I see a lot of young guys doing that, and I used to look at it with such, like, I used to despise that and go, "That's man, why are you doing that?" But then I, I think to myself, when I was 21, if I had a Lamborghini, I would have done that ad too, <laughs> because I would have been in chapter three. So I think it works both ways. Young people kind of create their own suffering, but old people also don't look down on people who are still on their journey. It's all right. It's why giving advice dangerous. is one of the hardest <laughs> things to do. It's dangerous, bro. Right, like, Because there's never an objective piece of advice that's going to work for every single person. And you also have to be, you have to know them so well to understand what chapter they're in and know their entire history. That's right. And their capability, their level of resources. That's right. What age they're at. What trauma have they been through? Yeah, like somebody could come up like a 24-year-old and be like, oh, yeah, I want to follow your footsteps and be a keynote speaker. You're like, yeah, yeah, great. Just go get a speaker agent and (laughs) sign up and just, yeah, set your fee and you should be good to go. And they'll be like, Cool, like, <laughs> like clearly, clearly, Ali doesn't know how to start a keynote speaking no. career because that's it, that's it, that I would not say that. <laughs> that's all he says. Like, yeah, that no, I don't. Him. He's like, no, I don't. Like, the higher the fee, the better. Um, don't even worry about the content. You'll figure that out when you're on stage. Don't do any rehearsal. Just be inspiring. Yeah, just go with your gut. Go with your gut. When you're- <laughs> wow, that's so wise. Yeah, I know. That's. The worst advice I've ever heard from becoming a keynote speaker. I started that sentence with like, why giving advice? Yeah. <laughs> it's <been laughs> taking notes are like, huh. yeah, <laughs> that, that adds yeah. up. <laughs> that's what I was going to do anyway. So that's perfect. But yeah, I think that's the thing with advice. And I love what you said there about the different chapters, just yeah. tying that back is you have to experience all parts of your book. Yeah. And then take the learnings. And I think that's really what, getting philosophical here for a bit but that's really what life's about it's about our experiences what we learned from them and then did we make the most of that journey Mm. while we're embarking on it yeah right like there isn't a set goal or outcome that's going to lead to happiness Mm. there isn't a defined why that everyone needs to have that's going to give them that level of fulfillment yeah you know, it's always going to be subjective to our experience. And I heard somebody say this the other day. It's like we're starting to live in a world where we're getting so entitled that we all deep down believe because of social media and all these things that we see is that if I want something, I have the right to go and get it. Right? Mm. And that causes people a lot of pain. What's an example of that? Well, I, I'm, 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 I don't I want to be mean. an influencer. I want to be YouTuber. I, I, I want to be a YouTuber. I want to be a professional athlete. I want to start a business. I want to go traveling around the world or whatever, right? Like we're living in this world right now. Well, so so like, just because they want that, they feel like it. they have to, they, they should be getting well, it and we, be successful at it? We don't automatically, just because we want something, it doesn't mean that we automatically have the right to get that thing. There is, there's so much that's based on luck circumstance right the actions that we take what we learn right but we're starting to get into a society a little bit that's what this person was trying to say okay because my we're brain starting, is i've struggled to even we're process to get, that. well it's more about society in general right like right. So they were saying that like we're getting into this framework right now where people are just like hey just because i see something online or on social media it, internally if i've just decided that i want that i automatically should have the right to be able to get that outcome that i see right whereas 20 wow. 30 years ago i don't think people thought like that you know, there was like, oh, yeah, like this is where I am right now. These are the steps that I have to take. This is the work that has to get put in. And it's very much a short-term 
gratification type of society right now. It's like, oh, I'll start my Instagram page and off I go, I'll start making content. And if I just keep doing that, then I should become as big as Vin, right? Whereas the world doesn't really work like that. And I think that's where a lot of like pain and anxiety and all these things get caused because people aren't really focusing just on the journey or on the learning mm. or adapting mastery. From, yeah. on mastery and putting all that in. It's more just like, Oh, I saw that on Insta. I want that. How do I go and get it? Right. And well, it's because of the, again, it's the addiction to easy. Addiction to easy. Because I simply bro, to work out a why that's hard, man. That's hard. It's easy to just look at a why and just go, Oh, I'll just, I'll just, I'll, I'll take Apple's why. Yeah. Think different. Yeah. You know, like again, it's, 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 to try to try to find your why is hard. I feel like it's sure it's an entitlement thing, but I also think it's a combination with that an addiction to easy. Addiction to easy, yeah. And also, I think exceptional results are really difficult. Yeah, man. Right, like you can follow like somebody could follow your framework every single thing you did, hundred percent to a T, and yeah. I still don't know if it guarantees that outcome because there's timing. The circumstances, there's a bit of natural ability there. There's yeah. all these other frameworks. Like sports, the greatest example. You can sit there and you can train as hard as Michael Jordan. Mm. But if you're my height, yeah. <laughs> right? Like I can put in all the work over yeah. a 20-year period. But at five foot eight, I'm really gonna struggle shooting over. Are you five foot yeah, five? <laughs> Why <laughs> did you just I, add three foot? I reckon I gave myself. I reckon nah, like you're five foot five. Five eight, five nine. percent, five foot four. Hundred <laughs> percent. Why is it going you just, you just got shorter because I lost respect for you. You just, I just lost respect for you, so you lost height. You got shorter. This is the worst. Five foot three. You're just going shorter, bro. You can't take a foot off someone. In two minutes. That's well, I, I always feel like I'm just much taller than you <laughs> on the inside. Surprisingly tall. Yeah, surprisingly tall. That's the first thing people say to me when they meet me in person. Yeah. They go, oh, dude, I'm surprised you're so tall. Yeah, but do you know what they're saying though? They're like, you're surprisingly tall, not for like everyone. Yeah, <laughs> for an Asian. Surprisingly tall. <laughs> for an Asian. <laughs> yeah. oh. See, I'm like the tallest person in our family, but I think we're just lucky that everyone's- Yeah. Like, no, but you're right. You're right. South you're, African and like the run's <laughs> pretty short, so it's cool. But I love family photos with our family. Because you're really tall? Yeah. Five foot five. It's the only time. <laughs> Just because everyone else is five yeah, foot and you're yeah. five foot then five. Then I go out into the real world and I'm like, yeah. Then you truly understand where five foot five lies <laughs> yeah. in the real world. <laughs> if I say it long enough, you'll believe it. <laughs> Am I? <laughs> Am I five foot five? You just changed my objective reality. Yeah, yeah. I'm creating a new story for you to tell yourself. (laughs) I've walked like under a thing that's like five foot seven, hit my head on it. It's like, shit, actually I'm Uh, tall. (laughs) No, but back to what you're saying is that there are some, there is some of that luck component, right? Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, on to the next point for the why. Mm. Hey, this, I mean, this, this book really gets you to dig deep into one of the most, I think, important tools and which is the why. Yeah. I found this was really interesting. One of the concepts that Simon Sinek talked about is that in, in the, when you think of history, the leaders that get remembered the most are the why leaders, not the how leaders. And I love the example they gave because do you know who, do you know who Roy Disney is? Yeah, no, the last name gives it away. Yeah. Okay, all right, 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 right. But if I just said, do you know who Roy yeah. D is? You wouldn't know. But no one's ever heard of the name Roy. But if you said, do you know who Walt is? Yeah. But if you said who yeah. Walt Disney is, everyone kind of knows, okay, right? So, and then the, what they say there is that Walt Disney was the why leader. Roy Disney was the how leader. Mm-hmm. He actually went about and did all the things and made it all happen. 
Whereas we all remember Walt Disney's name. Another example, you all know who Martin Luther King is, but do we know who Ralph Albanathy is, right? Probably don't. I didn't. I also, who's Ralph? I can't even say his last name. Yeah. And Craig are like, yeah, we know Ralph. Yeah, yeah. everyone knows <laughs> Ralph, but I'm the only one that doesn't everyone know Ralph. Ralph it's like- hey, just for context too, the reason we reference Craig is Craig's now in the studio with us while we're doing our podcasts and he's, he's monitoring all the audio and- and, and he's yeah, doing all the camera switches. So thanks for that, Craig. Yeah. It's actually not that important of a role, but yeah. no, it is. You probably didn't need a full intro like yeah, that. Yeah, he didn't need that, did he? <laughs> Craig's five foot one. Yeah. It's just so, yeah. just so you have reference. Yeah. That's how yeah. tall Craig is. Yeah, he's standing up right now. Craig. <laughs> yeah, that, that's his, Craig that's has way foot. too much of the podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's stop, let's stop saying his name. So again, like Ralph. <laughs> None of us know who that is. Many of us don't know who that is because again, that's the how leader. So it was interesting that he, he kind of talked about that. And then same thing with Apple, Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak. Yep. So it's, it's most people remember the why leader. And then that, what that made me think is, so I feel then for many solo entrepreneurs, because you look in these organizations, they've got the how person and the what person and the why person. When you're a solo entrepreneur, bro, you, you are all of that. So I think the struggle that most entrepreneurs have and most of us out there doing our own thing is that we have to wear all three hats. These people have different people wearing different hats. That's hard, man. That's hard. Because to switch from why to how and what, like far, that's why I said to you, there's an oscillation between that. There's an oscillation. And I think sometimes we spend way too much of our time in the how and the what, and we forget to visit the why. So I think it's almost like you need to build into your weekly routine times where you play in the how and what, go for it, but also dedicate a few hours aside where you really sit with the why. So you make sure all the actions of the how and the what, it's aligned still with the why. And when you go back even just to leadership, these the, the real true why leaders, they get glorified. To the max. Really heavily, right? Yeah but they also represent a very small percentage of leaders in the world, mm. right? Like genuine wire leaders, I don't know, it's sort of written down somewhere. They say it's like even that personality type, it's maybe two to 3% of the population has that, you know, where that level of like call it imagination and creativity and wanting to look at things that just never have existed before on longer term horizons. Mm. It's quite rare. And they're not there, but if you look at most business books, biographies about business leaders or any leaders, they usually are aligned to a very, very strong why leader Yeah, that was able to communicate and execute. The vision. That vision and that journey. Like right now we look at probably Elon's the most glorified yeah. one in terms of that with Mars and mm. those sort of big visions and where people are like, oh, I kind of actually believe that he might be able to do it, right? Whereas the reality is, is in most businesses, most organizations – the how leaders are what make up the majority of the world that we yeah. live in, right? They're the functional, practical leaders. Yeah. And even there's some great how leaders in tech because the book makes this great point where you can be an, you can be a pretty solid why leader or sit in the why category, mm-hmm. but without having people coming on that journey with you and believing in that and having the how people and the what people, why people usually end up with a business plan or they end up homeless, right? Like if they can't find that how person, because most true, genuine why people, yeah. 
are incapable of doing the how and the what <laughs> to a very serious level, you know? And you see that playing out where they just can't do it. Whereas a how person, mm. their odds of success is still going to be pretty good yeah. just from the execution, right? Like, you know, I can't remember the saying exactly, but if you just execute an average idea at a 10, it's probably going to outstrip the outcomes of a really brilliant idea that has horrible execution. Mm, that's true. Right? So, so execution and how. So, so if you're sitting there and you're like, oh, I'm not a why person, I don't have my why, and that's a bit of a problem. Know that statistically yeah, you're still going to do better. succeeding and you know doing well in whatever it is that you do, it's probably going to be a lot higher yeah. than your mate who's got a great imagination and has all these awesome ideas but never really does anything with them. Mm. Right, because but if you got together with that mate, that's the combination. Hopefully, right? he's not crazy. But if you got together with that mate and you combine forces, that's where you cre- that's where we go to Mars. That's that's magic. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And I actually think it's potentially one of the things that hurts Elon in a way. Mm. I don't know if this is fact or not, right? But okay. he's pretty good because he he knows the how as well. So he drives the how pretty strongly. But imagine if he combined his powers with more how people that actually got a level of stage, you know, where, and what I mean by that is like, if you think about jobs and Wozniak, mm. Wozniak is remembered to a degree. Like he is now more there, than ever, you know, even Bill Gates and like Steve Barmer and like there's, there's other people there. Whereas if you think about Elon, I don't know anyone who's Elon's number two. Mm. I've never heard a name or like you think about his career over 10 years in multiple industries. Solo. That he's side, he's, like if he's Batman, the Robin is unheard of. Mm. And I'm sure there's plenty of people that are playing that role. But that, I think, is the, the combo, the, the, the special source. Back to what you said before is vision. Yeah. So the why is almost a vision too. The why almost is something that is grand enough that it's, it, it will be remembered for generations. I love this quote from the book. Leadership requires two things. A vision of what, sorry, I'll say that again. (laughs) Leadership requires two things. A vision of the world that does not yet exist and the ability to communicate it. Henry Ford summed it up best. If I'd asked people for what they wanted, he said, they would have said, I want a faster horse. I love that. that. (laughs) So I think when when you're sitting there and crafting the why, you also want to give yourself permission to make that why a little bit, you know, a little bit crazy. It's all right. You know, a little bit, a little bit like, you know, stretch a little bit, stretch a little bit. And I just felt like that was so powerful because Henry Ford's right. If he asked the audience for what his why should be or what his vision should be, they would have just said, oh yeah, just just get a faster horse. Just as you were saying that, I think a really cool practical takeaway is if you're sitting there and you reflect and one of the things that comes up is, oh, I never really use my imagination anymore. Mm. I never do anything creative. I never give myself time and space for that. Gosh, even so, I feel feel that while you say that. Like just schedule in some time to go and do that. Mm. Like nearly getting – that's where children are so amazing. Right? Like they'll sit there with like a piece of paper and unfiltered, let their minds run wild and draw whatever it is that just comes out, you know, and it's a pure expression of what they're experiencing in that moment. Whereas I think as we become adults, everything in our lives is so like reactive and planned and it's part of a routine and it's set there. Like we just don't 
for the most part, allocate time to just go and create and just sit there with our imaginations and let that run wild a little bit and just see what comes up. And it might help in terms of clarifying some of your whys and might just un- unearth some things that are a little bit unexpected there. Mm. Right? The book says it. Like even when you think about entrepreneurship and you think about leadership, it's a combination of art and science, right? Yeah, it needs some fundamentals and it needs management structures and it needs all of this. But when you think about wide-driven businesses, people follow those businesses a lot of the time because of the art component, the creativity in there. And it's also the leader's ability to make people believe that this is something that's worth their time, that's going to result in something greater than what existed before. Mm. Right? Like So much about leadership is that. It's a negotiation with the people around you to make them believe and to inspire them to believe that this thing is worthwhile and it means something. Mm. That's the long lasting levels of it. Otherwise you have something that's just very transactional. Yeah. Right? And I have a bias against businesses that don't have this artistry around them. Right. Like it's just one of my things. Like if I'm going to, I try not to have a judgy hat on, Yeah. but it's like when I see something there and I'm like, Oh, this like is, what? there's just no creativity in this thing. Like what? Like things, for me, it's things that operate in really perfectly competitive environments. Yeah. Right? Like, so just like when you see a random like petrol station. Right, right. right, right on the right. side of the road. Like <laughs> right. You've got a commodity and you reset, like mining companies. Yeah. Or like a, a, sh- or like a street right. full of yeah. 20 cafes yeah. and they're all the same. Major banks. You know, like I love it when like they try to like, when they get a really good branding agency and then they make it all emotive. I think I'm like, oh, like at least you respect that. You're trying to add some yeah, art trying to, yeah. and storytelling in here. But mm. like, I love it when, you know, Joking last night, like when a bank's like, we're a bank that stands for fun. It's like, yay, that makes, yeah. yeah. I don't know, do you? Yeah. Do you really? Yeah. It's like, really? What, is it? What if I don't pay? I think you stand for Is like, I still fun? Finance and transactions. <laughs> yeah. like, like, that's maybe. Yeah. Out. But yeah, I think that's sort of my thing. But it's just mm. because personally, I love things that are a little bit out there and, you know, have a creative spin and they have a story that's communicated. So, like, when you think about businesses like Disney, right? Mm. I love reading Disney's story. Like they were, they were nearly the Google. Like if you go, there's a great book. It's by Neil Gabler, which is Walt Disney's biography. It's massive. It's like six, 700 pages, but it goes through the whole story. Ooh. And you look at that and what Disney was doing in the 1920s and 30s, it was as innovative as what Google were doing sort of in the late 90s. Mm. It was doing it 80 years earlier. And there's so many threads there of innovation that they did in so many different areas that are still probably, that shaped the industrial revolution, you know, for the next 30, 40 years. What was Disney's why? I think Disney, Disney was really driven by like a feeling of failure in a way. You know, like he, he it was pretty uncommon back then for somebody to be like, hey, like imagine this, you're sitting in the 1920s, 1930s, around the depression, the world wars, this was a time. He's like, I want to go draw pictures and turn that into art and become an illustrator. Like that wasn't an industry then. Yeah. Right? Like he was- pioneering something that was just completely out of the norm. Mm. Right. So I think his was to share stories and to, you know, share beautiful stories is what I'd assume. Well, just again, there's another example of someone who had a why that was able to push them through and help them achieve something that against all odds they were able to during the recession, during a time where that industry didn't exist. It it just, I I think, Every example you're starting to share and that I, even I'm sharing is the common thread that I'm seeing here, man, is that you got to try to find it. Your why? Because to not have this in your toolkit, 
you're missing out on one of the greatest frameworks for making choices, one of the greatest frameworks for pushing you through difficult times, one of the greatest frameworks on ke- for keeping people in your organization. You're just missing out. Like you're missing out on such a big piece of the puzzle. This is a quote that I just kind of read as well that I really like too. And it's, and I, I, want, I don't know if I agree with this first day, uh, sentence, but it says, people are either motivated or they're not. Unless you give motivated people something to believe in, something bigger than just their job to work towards, they will motivate themselves and find a new job and you'll be stuck with whoever's left, meaning all the unmotivated people. It's pretty true. I've seen this through all of my friends who've worked for great organizations and they started and they're, they're bright eye, bushy tail, they feel good, they, they inject so much goodness into these companies. But because these companies don't have a good why, they leave within three to four years. And I see that cycle happen again and again, and the cycles are getting shorter. Now they're staying there for a Six year. Six months, 12 months. Wow, you've, yeah, 12 months, I've seen, I've seen a year. Pretty common. I've yeah. seen some friends hop between jobs for one year after another, after another, after another. And I think the thing they're missing, brother, is they're missing the why. They're missing fulfillment. And, and saying you're missing the why from your job is that, it, it, in other words, what you're saying is I lack a purpose, I lack fulfillment, I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. And yeah, we're, we're seeing it more and more. I think the pandemic was huge for that. Yeah. I think a lot of people, when they changed their way of working and what was the normal and they got to see outside that, they're like, oh, well, why am I doing this? You know, I think people started, I think the pandemic was one of the biggest global events where people started questioning yeah. their why a little bit more. And what it was, what they maybe perceived as a norm versus an alternative way of living life and just being really forced to experience that. And I think that had positive and negative effects for a lot of people, but it did change, especially call it the business and working landscape. For so many people, like I don't know, you know, in Australia there's a big bank, and recently they've tried to get, you know, they've gone from working from home arrangements right. to trying to get people to come back into the office. And right, massive uproar. Oh, really? Yeah, like they've got staff of like forty, fifty thousand people. Oh, far out. People are like. Well, we want to work hybrid. We want the flexibility. We want- Why do they want them to come back though? Is there a reason? I think a lot of it, like especially with big organizations, right. seeing a lot going back to the office, just the reasoning- Camaraderie, is, connection. Is culture and camaraderie, but I think a lot of it's probably Makes around sense. productivity yeah. as well. Right. I think when you have large organizations where the why isn't that strong, mm. the thing is they're like- Things fall off a little there, bit. There might be a natural default for a percentage of the workforce to- Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. Sort of, yeah. For sure, chill out a little decrease. bit on it, you know, and and I think there's definitely that. Yeah, when you work remotely, is if you work in a silo, yeah, just that collaboration and all that it diminishes and yeah, quality of work, yeah, like yeah. even I think energy and mm. I think for a lot of people it's not great. Mm. Wow, it's 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 crazy to see the importance of a why for a big organization like that. It's crazy to see the why for even ourselves personally. It's it's one of those things where I think. You've just got to, you've just got to allow yourself to start somewhere. Yeah. So I think, you know, if you're listening to us talk about this and, and it, it seems a little bit foreign to you, I think it's just a matter of just getting something down on paper and then you work from that statement, you know, because I, I, I think if you, if you just never do it, then you miss out on something quite powerful. And it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't. It's like a few ideas. Dude, you, I, told, I think I, t- I talked about this before. What was my version 1.0 why? I help people talk good. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, yeah. I just help people talk better. Yeah. That's what I thought I was doing. 
because I just looked at my how and I go, oh, that's my why. Yeah. I just help people communicate. Because I wanted to play that's more it. golf. Yeah, that's right? it. Like it was that simple. Yeah. You know, just more times. And being in the office, I'm like, can I just play a bit more golf? Like that was it. What, what do you think our why is with our podcast? I think we kind of got it already. I think a lot of it's around, I think we both love sharing the things that we learn with other people. But the fact that we do books and we go down that path mm. rather than just jamming on conversations. Like we we're, were laughing before it, but for the last, since we've known each other, like literally when we're hanging out, we're talking like this yeah, the I know. entire time. So weird. It's not really that outside of what happens <laughs> on the pod. So yeah. It's great that we frame it now with a book Yeah, that we're able to share with other people and sort of putting a bit of structure around some of those lessons. But to me, it's, goes back to, I think both of us wanting to be students of life. Yeah. We love learning and we love sharing. And then I think then there's obviously the component of just getting to hang out. Yeah. Know, yeah. For a defined period of time <clears throat> to jam on these things. Hmm. But it's fun. Like for us, this pod always aligns. It's one of the, it's the least, com- well, it's not commercial at all. No. It, Actually goes the other way. Yeah, like we, it costs us money. We, we lose money and like time yeah. on this podcast. Yeah, but it's probably one of the favorite things that we do in our entire ecosystems. Well, it just it, there's ROI in other ways. Absolutely, it's not just financial no. or time or resources. Yeah, yeah. it's a different thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious to what you thought the why was. You? Teach people to speak good. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think the, you know, the main reason. You're like, I don't, he just walks out. Yeah. yeah, I I just need it. Yeah. Got to go write a keynote. It's really not linked to my why at all. And this is the last episode. No, I mean, I've, I've shared this before on the podcast. It's, it started with, I wanted this to be for Xander and my future children. I want it to be an archive of how dad thinks and how dad evolved. And that it started with that, but I'm stacking more stories behind it now. That was the original story that I stacked and really motivated you me. You realize you just called him a piece of shit like half an hour. I know, I know, yeah, I know, I know, I know. This is it. He's like, I, I, said, I, said, I said specifically, like, I said dude, a piece of like, shit He's like, I was three and you yeah. called me a piece of shit. Yeah, like, yeah, that's- yeah, yeah. No, but Xander, you were <laughs> on, on Wednesdays and generally Fridays. Every other day, you're a beautiful boy, but there were some days- it was showing. Yeah. You're telling me your yeah. kids have never been no, a piece I, of I shit. I just love my kids like wholeheartedly. <laughs> I'd never ever say anything <laughs> like that about them on a podcast or publicly. Boys, oh. your dad loves you so much. You guys are incredible human beings and never once have I thought you Xander, I will shit. always tell you the truth. I will not sugarcoat things and cause you to become misguided humans who think you're better than you are. I will always keep you grounded. And I will always not be afraid to tell you what other people are afraid to tell you. You're saving it well, but yeah. You see that? I love how you just did Well, it's the it, truth though, because the next point. here's the thing. Good. Here's the thing. If you do <laughs> what Ali does. Ninja over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but you've got really good kids. Yeah. I, Because yeah. I give them I, that, that love. Yeah, but you also miss out on giving them the truth. And, <laughs> and, and you, 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 you paint a false reality when they grow up and then reality punches them in the face. Entitlement. They're going to yeah, be like, yeah, hey, yeah. I want to be, I want to be Vin Jang. Yeah. And I'm like, just Course high fee, yeah. keynote, get on stage. It's easy. <laughs> it started with me wanting to document the journey for Xander and making sure Xander has, like, it's just in case I die. 
it was quite morbid, but it's like, this was my ultimate life insurance. Sure. I've covered myself for deep risk financially with my life insurance policy. Sure. But this is my real life insurance policy. But since then, Ali, since I've been able to grow on social media, I've started to realize that not only can I be an influence for my son, there are a lot of people out there who don't have great brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers. And I got one of the most beautiful messages. And it was, he, this, this listener listened to my episode where I said, why I do this. And he said, you're like a father to me, Vin. I listen to your episodes, not as a brother, not as a friend, but as a dad. And I went, wow. Like that really touched my heart because there, there's a soul out there that feels so lost. That conversation sometimes between you and I, let's be honest, two idiots at times is guiding someone out there. And then that's another story I backed behind it, that, wow, this is not only a guide for my son, this is a guide for a lot of other people out there. And not, not to say that, oh, look at us, we know everything. It's more, we are just here figuring things out. We're trying to figure things out, man. We're trying to go, hey, this book, what are the important lessons? Let's figure it out. Let's go, is there more to this? Do we really understand this? And then other people are learning with us. So I think the beautiful thing about what we're doing here, the why now that mind is kind of morphing and transforming into it's we're creating a space and a platform where people can come and learn together with us, learn in the moment, learn together with us. And we are here doing this because we're encouraging people to continue to learn. I think that's one of the most important things you'll do in this life is to continue to learn and never stop. Because the moment you stop learning, far out, life gets harder. Life does get harder. Everything gets harder when you don't continually improve. But as you continually do the hard work to learn, life is easier. Love that. Mm. Glad you went with a short answer. Yeah. Yeah, that was- yeah my pleasure. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> but no, nah, I think it's uh, – and- <laughs> I just want to give credit where it's due to. Like mm. just watching your sort of last couple of years as you've gone on that journey of your profile growing. Yeah. I just think more and more in the world that we're living in, like your voice becomes a really important one, mm. especially in the way that you deliver it and how authentically you deliver it. And then using obviously your communication skills and how you're sharing all the things that you're learning on it. Like mm. it's just been really cool to watch brother. So, you know, yeah, thanks, well man. done on that and just yeah. keep doing it, you know, and whatever platforms. Yeah that you do that, but it's special. I'm able to do these things because the people around me keep me, me. People like you and Craig as well. It's my environment and the people in my life keep me who I am. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't fall off the rails because I've got people keeping me on the rails. You know, and I think I'm very grateful to have that. And I think the, the dedication to learning that you keep me on, like we haven't done the podcast for, we missed last month, right? And just that gravitational pull that you're like, hey, Let's schedule in the pod. Hey, let's, and then we, then I canceled because life got crazy. And you're like, hey, let's schedule it in again. But that's great, Ali, because your commitment to learning, I think is understated. I don't think people realize how dedicated you are to reading and learning. It's just inspiring, bro. So I think you're that gravitational pull in my life to always, hey, keep learning. Which book are you reading now? Come on, let's keep going. And this podcast, it helps me selfishly in that I keep learning. And- you then putting together you and Craig coming in here for 15 hours to build a temporary studio for yeah. us to get that happening. 
But it's because the why is strong. Again, coming back to this book, the why is strong. If the why wasn't strong, we wouldn't have pulled this together. I wouldn't have done, I wouldn't have been motivated to do this, brother. But because I now know we're impacting more lives than just our children's lives, which is cool. I mean, I get a door, like, again, this is still for Xander, but the fact that this is now for Jeremy that's out there, this is for Susan, this is for Kelly, this is for all these different other people that now listen to us. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Awesome. What else do you have from this book? What else do I have? Mm. Because this book talks about the key frame of always why. Why seems to be the main thing, whether it's talking about the person who has a why has more charisma. The person who has the why has more influence. It's all talking about one pretty straightforward concept. I think I want to jam on what Simon Sinek calls the golden circle. Yeah, okay. We can't not talk about that. And the framework of how do we then, how do we actually wrap all of this up, right? And All right. The real game-changing thing that he came out with when this book was released was it was a golden circle where he's like, we need to focus on three things. We need to have a clarity of why. We need to have the consistency of what. Mm-hmm. And we need to have the discipline of how. Mm-hmm. And then breaking those down, right? And if you look at those at this really high level, the clarity of why is the mission, Yeah. right? Why are we doing what we're doing? And what's the objective? What's the sort of whether it's a short, medium or long-term horizon, mm-hmm. what's the mission that we're on and the purpose of that, right? The consistency of what? It's like the services, the features, the products that we're delivering, right? And then what keep does that, that consistent. Like? And keep it consistent, right? Yeah. Like if we have a promise, yeah. if I'm selling you a product yeah. and I promise you something, can I deliver on that? Yeah. Right? Because if I can, that will then align with the why that I hooked you in on mm. and that I sold and I tried to communicate to you. Mm-hmm. effectively right and then the discipline of how what are the systems and what are the processes that we have that then underpin all this so it works that's yeah. scalable that more people can be impacted by it right? and if you get those three things right you've then got the golden circle so when we're experiencing something like say mcdonald's maybe they don't have like the strongest why like i don't really know what mcdonald's is why is yeah i know what their why <laughs> yeah. is I wonder what their why is. Craig, can you look up McDonald's why? (laughs) This is the first time we've been able to do this on a podcast. Can you Google what McDonald's why is? Imagine if we fact-checked all of our podcasts. Yeah, like what is their why? What is their mission statement? It's hilarious, right? Yeah, McDonald's mission statement, McDonald's why. To help feed millions of people every day with a focus on evolving the Happy Meal and making balanced meals more accessible to families across the world. They feed a lot of people. They feed a lot of people. They feed right. they feed me and my family on on Tuesdays and sometimes Fridays. I'd say consistently three days a week. I've, <laughs> I've, I've used their services since I was about four years old. So. Oh, wow. You're one of those. Yeah, thanks for looking that up, Craig. I'm a frequent flyer at the yeah. moment. But yeah, I think the big brands and the brands that last for a very long time, they do these three things. Mm. So again, when we now break that down as a practical framework- it, it can be as simple as getting that on one page, whether it's for your job, for your mm. life, for your business, where it's like, what's a couple of sentences around- That's cool. Why I'm doing this thing, right? It's telling yourself a story or communicating yeah. that story to others within your team or around you or your loved ones. Then it's like, okay, what's the consistency of my what? Like, what am I actually delivering? Now that I've got the clarity of- yeah. 
that why. How consistent am I? What quality level am I? How consistent am I, am I right? Like if, yeah. And that, even on a personal level, right? That's one of those things where we sit there, I think internally, we're like, well, I stand for this. This is one of my strong values. Mm. But then what's the evidence that I actually yeah, what actions in alignment with that? And what value do I then derive from those actions? And how do I then deliver that? At what quality Bro, do I deliver that to people? We just talked about this with our wives, about our wives, yeah. about how we question ourselves on how we show love to our partners. And we can't, like, I remember I was just talking about it last night. And I kind of went, wow, I really need to upgrade my level of consistency and of quality what? of my what yeah. and how I show love. Yeah. Because I've fallen into that part of my marriage now where it's become really routine and robotic almost. And just that conversation was so enlightening for me because I know my why with my wife. Yeah. I know my why. It's just, I actually need to improve the what and the how. And that so, happens so much in relationships. Oh, so much in right. relationships. Like we, get a, we get an autopilot and- Well, I've been with my wife since 2009. You've been with yours since 2005, yeah. right? So we, you're getting yeah. on 20 years. Yeah. 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 Wait, it's more than 20 years. No, it's Unless. getting on 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> Craig, can you just- um, Yeah, can you add that 2005 on 2005 <laughs> to 2023. It's yeah. somewhere between 18 and 45. Like, yeah. we're pretty sure. But <laughs> oh, gosh. We just check everything just because we can. Just because we can. <laughs> These are the moments where people are like, oh, I was taking notes down and I was going to use their advice, but then yeah. I just realized that they're morons. Yeah, they're morons. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm now hey, questioning whether I should- We're not teaching you anything. We're learning with each other. Other, all right, yeah. all right. Yeah. So, to that hypothetical yeah. person that just said that, yeah, no. we're, we're learning yeah, together. Yeah. Check right? yourself, yeah, check yourself, mate. We're learning yourself. together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but okay. Yeah. So, you're saying write down the yeah. why, couple of sentences. Write down the what, couple yeah. of sentences. Yeah. Like, what is it that I actually want to deliver? Yeah, right. What are the features? What are the benefits? I love that notion of like, what are the features and the benefits? Mm. And you're using that in so many different aspects of life. Like, I think about a really good website mm. where it like tells you this is why this product and service is for you. And then it lists down all the features, you know, and great dot points. You're like, oh, yeah, great. Yeah, it's good. This is all the things that I need, right? Like get that consistency and clarity on what are your features? What is it that you bring to the table? What are the benefits that you provide? And can you communicate that clearly enough, right? A great resume does that too. When you see really awesome resumes, it's got this awesome story. And then all the cover letter, you know, it's engaging and it's like not just telling you, hey, I'm going to be a great, reliable team player, like the generic stuff. It like gives you something real that's there. All right, then we go into the consistency of what, which is the services and the features, and then the discipline of how, which is the systems and the processes. Yeah. Right? Now, on a personal level, for us, that's things like we use our calendars. We have certain habits like journaling. We have, you know, maybe an exercise routine or a meditation routine or whatever it is. Like that can become just a personal system framework that you then utilize. For a business, that's likely going to be, you know, all the different tools and SaaS products and, systems that you use or the tech platforms that you use or the operation manuals that you have, if you say running events or whatever it is. So like get clear on how do we actually execute the consistency of the what mm. with the how of the approach mm. that we then utilize. Right? And it's hard to get all three of those peaking at yeah. any given time. But even if you get a percentage of that working, it's a pretty good framework, nice and simple framework that yeah. you utilize. Yeah. And, and you I, can give yourself a check, right? Yeah. Like, oh, is my why pretty clear? No, not really. So I need to spend more time there. Mm. Is the what clear or effective? Mm. Oh, I need to actually make some adjustments here. Mm. Is the how that we're doing? 
oh, that's really bad at the moment. I need to really invest some time and energy to figure that out. Like we're really inconsistent or it's chaotic or it's overwhelming. And then whichever one feels like it needs the most love at the moment, allocate some time, energy, bandwidth, resources, books, people, whatever it is that you need to move that forward a little bit more. Yeah. No, that's great. I love that. It's a little framework and a little check, you know, a little kind of system where you could go in and go, hey, how's this doing? How's that doing? That's fantastic. Yeah. Hmm. That's great. Look, I think this book is actually pretty easy to digest. Yep. It talks about one central thought, which yeah. is if you improve your why, you improve everything else. Do you have any final thoughts on this particular book? This is the sound of us looking through notes. <laughs> A dramatic pause. I think we've covered a lot. I've got a quote that I want to end on. Yeah. And the quote that I want to end on is when you compete against everyone else, no one wants to help you. When you compete against yourself, everyone wants to help you. That's what I found to be true with me and what I do currently on social media. I'm not competing against anyone on social media. Heck, I don't really even watch that many people's content. I focus just on how do I make better content? How do I get better? And what's crazy is more people than ever have started sharing my content. Whereas before, you know who I was competing against? Casey Neistat, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, Tim Ferriss. I was looking at all these different people's, their social medias, and I was trying to copy them. And as I was trying to compete against them and do content, and, and then no one was really sharing my stuff. But it was interesting how when I just tried to compete against myself, that's when people started to really come to help me. I think the same thing with your why. Don't look outside to try to find your why at the start. Try to look internally first. Try to sit with your puzzle pieces and all of the dots you have in your life. Sit with it and come up with your why from there. And don't compare your why to my why or Ali's why or your best mate's why. You're running your own race. You're playing your own game. Focus on your why. Love that. I think authenticity mm. is what you're summing up there. Mm. Right, And I think it's nearly a bit of both. You nearly need that 10 years of looking at Gary Vee and Casey. And so it's all a part of the journey. They, they kind of, they're the shoulders that you nearly climb up yeah. on. But then now you're at the point where you've done so many reps that you can now be your authentic self. Mm. And then I think people start resonating with that on a completely different level. It's a great place to end it. Thanks everyone for joining us as we uh, do our first one in our half-made studio. And for those of you who want to see it, uh, just check out our Instagram or YouTube and, and you'll be able to see the video there. Just Otherwise, Apologies for Craig being so wordy throughout that. Yeah, time, like, like apologies for the extra 30 over. minutes because if, if Craig just didn't talk. It was over the top, it yeah, was weird. Yeah, it was like, weird. Uh, I thought it was his show. Yeah. Yeah, it's the Vin and Ali show. Yeah. yeah there's yeah. no Craig in <laughs> Vin and Ali. Lord, we're going to change the title of the Vin and Ali and not Craig show. Yeah, not Craig show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, look, everyone, thanks so much for, for being patient with us as we popped out this episode. And hey, if you enjoy the podcast, please make sure you leave us a review uh, this podcast is sponsored by Ali and myself yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it will continue to do so until we find someone that's aligned with us but it hey would take donations but we don't know how yeah we don't um, know how hey you know what donation yeah. they can do for us a review oh, they could on. leave us oh. a review and that is uh, the yeah, forms yeah. of donations that yeah. we are taking so if you enjoy it 
jump over on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a glowing review. Yeah, like don't leave a review if you don't like it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, like, no. If you don't like it, just, just don't worry about just it. Go like, just, like, just go away. Just go away. Just listen to something yeah, else. Yeah, just, listen to something just else. Send Vin a hate comment instead. Yeah. Like, that's going <laughs> to be TikTok, way- on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> that's where my hate comments live. Oh, okay, nice. Oh, that's All right, nice. everyone. That's actually, a place we're gonna we're gonna end the podcast now before we ramble any further. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. Hi, hello, it's Vin. Thank you so much for listening to the Vin and Ali show. We've created something that we're really excited about and we want to share it with you. It's called Recalibrate. It's a 12-step process that helps you create more clarity and more alignment in your life. It's the exact approach that both Ali and I have been using to live happier lives and to achieve all of our wildest dreams in the last seven years. It's been crazy. Being one of our loyal listeners, we wanted to share a special something with you. Visit recalibrate.online forward slash Vin and Ali to access the course for 70% off. I hope you will check it out.